0: You're listening to the Birdie Dad Podcast. They can't make a birdie, but they can dad. And now your hosts, Jared, Brian, and Trevor. All
1: right, welcome back to the show. My two favorite birdie dads, Brian and Trevor. Let's kick off episode 31.
0: Hey, 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 what's going on? Hey, Jared, should we talk about uh, birdie dads? Because I know that was something new that just happened on Tuesday. Um, so yeah, we have a new name.
1: Yes, we did change our name. We are now the Birdie Dads podcast, but we are just Birdie Dads.
0: I like it, Jared. I like the lead
2: in. We can't Birdie, but we might be able to dad. That's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we can't make a
1: Birdie, but we can dad. So that's what makes us the Birdie Dads. We did change the name. So you've seen our logo changed. Pretty cool stuff. Um, we rolled it out with the Bruce Bowen episode this week, but you're going to see that everything has been switched over. We're now at birdydads.com. Um, again, we had a huge following by the way, this week guys, and we launched that new website, which means free stuff. So we're giving away free stuff. Go check it out.
0: Awesome. Always love some free stuff. Yep. Five figure discount. Let's do this.
1: (laughs) Okay. Let me take you back to 1996 Augusta. On the first day of the Masters, Greg Norman ties the course record and he shoots a 63. And the 96 Masters is one that goes down in history because Norman is playing at an extremely high level. He takes that score into a commanding six-shot lead into the final round. And then on that final day, the unthinkable happens. And if you don't remember it, I mean, we were all alive and well during this and dads, you should have been also. But if you don't remember it, you watch Greg Norman not only lose that six shot lead, but he goes on to lose to Nick Faldo by five extra strokes. So we're talking 11 strokes shift on that final day over 18 holes. And, you know, and you guys, I don't know if you remember that, but.
0: So, so I'll be honest. I don't remember the, um, that 96 masters. Cause I, I wasn't into golf then. Um, but I, I have been there. <laughs> I, yeah, have, yeah. I have seen that swing with some of my buddies. Yeah, Yeah, I had to to look it up
2: again. I mean, I I think he was, I think they said seven bogeys, two of which were doubles on the last day. And he had one close chip in for almost for Eagle and ended up birding that. But then he doubled, bogeyed the next hole. So it was just like a constant meltdown.
1: Constant meltdown. Yeah, an an 11 stroke lead over 18 holes. I mean, for any golfer, struggling is not unheard of. This is a golf podcast. Golf is a merciless sport. And it's claimed the best at their peak. We were just talking before recording about Jordan Spieth and is he back or is he not back? But we look at this 96 and you take a lead like that and you see it unravel in such a way it's just gone down as history in all sports record books. Nick Faldo finishes five strokes ahead at the end.
0: So what would you guys rather be? Would you rather be in the lead going into Sunday or would you rather be coming from behind on Sunday? I mean, I I know it's, I guess it depends on the lead and who you're playing against, but I feel like everybody that's behind and and they're playing free. They're like, I have nothing to lose at this point. But the guys that are trying to defend a lead, like that's where you make the mistakes because you're just trying to be too conservative. You get too tight. I don't know what it is, but they're not playing their game. Yeah, I'm with
2: you, Brian. I think you got nothing to lose coming from back from behind. You know, charging forward. I think that's that's the way to go. I mean, anybody that's got a six stroke lead, it's like, how can I lose this? You start thinking oh. about that. You're 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 lost. <laughs> Tiger, that's, that's Red what I, TV.
1: I mean, I love Tiger because he never gave up that lead. I mean, Tiger was the true. You're not uh, touching me. Going into Sunday, you're not touching me. I'm I'm running for it.
2: Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, we've all been there. I mean, if we, it doesn't matter if we're playing in a, you know, basketball game or you know, a, a, just a friendly golf game. I mean, we we are up one one stroke on somebody. We're gonna think about it and we're gonna just shit, shit the bed. I mean, that's just how we <laughs> who we are I and mean, that's how I I I, I roll.
0: So Trevor, you said you'd rather come from behind. Jared, how about you? Would you rather come from behind or would you rather have the no, lead going the into lead. Sunday? I want ah, the lead. I okay. want the Tiger lead. You're mentally tough. You're, you're there. That's right. Yeah. So okay. no, today's episode, yeah, we're <laughs> going to get into,
1: today we're going to get into fixed and growth mindset because that 96 story, that 96 masters is all about mindset. And we talk about pressure situations and you know, pressure can mount physically, it can mount emotionally, takes over everything. And so I want to get into this. And Brian and I were just talking about how mindset is so huge in the business world, but mm-hmm. taking it from a dad perspective. So let me, let me give you guys a little context. A fixed mindset, this is how I was raised as a kid. And it's the, the idea that you are born with certain talents and abilities, and that's what you get. And so you're praised on that talent. Consistently as you're growing up, so I heard it a lot when I was a kid. Not I wasn't physically gifted. I mean, we know I'm sitting here doing a golf <laughs> podcast.
0: <but laughs> oh, Jared, come on.
1: I mean, I was you. You had certain strengths, and my parents would would praise you, and teachers would praise you for, "Hey, you're so smart." You're like, good job. And that was the praise you got, you know. And you you guys probably heard that we all grew up in similar generations. So you have this idea that you're naturally talented. Your abilities are what was given to you and good job with those. And that's the basic, basic idea of a fixed mindset, cultivating that.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jared and Trevor, I don't know if you got along the way. Um, If you weren't the MVP, you at least got a participation trophy or ribbon or something like everybody got sure something happen, when we were growing yeah. up. I'm sure. I know. I and, it, and it's like, I, I, same way. It's like any team I played on, I got a trophy at the end, of the end of the year, whether or not I played well or played bad or, um, you know, did anything significant. It was just, you're going to get an award. And I, I think it's the way that our generation was raised and it's unfortunate, but to, to your point, it's like, you thought you could just do a good job and, and get rewarded no matter what. Right. It's like, you're always going to be, um, celebrating success at the end of the season. Even if you didn't win a game, you're always going to be going out to pizza afterwards. And that's what, you know, some people actually looked forward to and join the sports teams for is, is that, that banquet afterwards. And so I don't know if that limited us or helped us, uh, but it's definitely something that we had no say in.
2: Yeah, no, it's like getting that dreaded, dreaded most improved. Uh, award at the end of the season i mean how many guys <laughs> yeah. got the most improved uh, trophy and showed up the next season right for for that they, they knew that was the last the last award given out but yeah same way grew up the same way i think uh, having all those you know participation trophies you know you get kind of disappointed at some point right at some point you know that career has to end and you feel like it, you know at a young age you're you're maybe told like okay you can you can do this you can be a pro all that stuff and then you're disappointed at some point. And then you got to kind of reinvent the wheel and go somewhere different with it. And that's, I think that's the hardest part for kids these days.
0: imagine the first time you heard negative feedback about your performance. You're like, I don't know what to do with this, dude. (laughs) How can I improve from this? You're not good enough. Yeah,
1: that, that is why fixed mindset doesn't work. And that's what I want to get into. So first of all, the getting some eye rolls, you know, the millennials are not taking over, (laughs) you know, we're going to get into that. Um, but yeah, you're right. When you praise somebody on talent and ability, what happens when you begin to struggle? you don't know how to come out of that because if it's my ability that got me here, but now I'm struggling, how do I get through it? You know, how and when I face off against somebody and that's what I want to get into because you said it, Trevor, and the worst praise you can give a kid is saying, good job. It, it doesn't give them anything. And and mm-hmm. I think that's, we get that a lot in kids in schools. That's like the number one feedback they get is good job. And that's like the worst thing you can tell them.
2: So let's, let's get into this, Jared. What's, what's the way to go? I mean, where give us a scenario where we can kind of improve upon just say first
0: before before we get there now that you have a kid has that perspective changed too jared i mean like i don't know how i could not be supportive of my kid and not say hey yeah you did a good job like i I want to i want them to be happy like so so i understand from my parents perspective of like that's why they did it but like yeah yeah i mean how do we change that
1: Oh, there's different ways. And well, I'm going to get into it to tell you about the ways you you should praise your kids. I mean, let me be clear. Praise your kids for what they're doing. Tell them, good job. But you want to be a little bit more specific. So there's a study done, and they found that 80% of parents believe in praising their kids. And I think that's good. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So when you're talking about when you praise them on just their ability, and I'm saying that you're telling your kid, hey, good job. You're so smart. that. Ultimately, we heard this with Andrew Jensen a little bit. It t- you talk about building pressure because what happens when they don't perform well? They start to wonder if they are so smart, right? And I know I found myself in that as a kid. Like when I would struggle, I'd be like, wow, maybe, I, maybe I'm not smart. Like maybe, maybe that's not real. Mm-hmm. So when you praise on talent, there's a couple things that happen. One is, is that scenario that when you start to fail, kids will start to wonder, and not just kids, this is adults too. This is something that travels all the way through business. You start to wonder, if that's not true, what is the true narrative? And Am I a failure? And that's one thing that starts to creep in. And Mm -hmm. so the second thing, as you said, Brian, it's that when you face that, you lack a roadmap to get out of it. So when you start to see that failure, you don't know how to get yourself back on course. That's why I was talking about the 96 Masters. And I don't know Greg Norman's mindset, but... Once he started to fail, how did he get him? How do you get yourself out of that? And so mm-hmm. the last thing that happens, and there's, there's studies on this, is that when you, but when you believe that your, your talent abilities have gotten you there, and you, you look at this fixed mindset, when kids fail, it turns into excuses and blame. And so here's the thing I want to tell you guys. They did this study with kids, and the first one they did, they told the kids, they praised them, and they said, hey... Good job, you're so smart. You got an 85% on this test. And that's all they told them. You know, good job, you're smart, 85%. The second group, they told them, Hey, good job. You worked so hard on this test. I like how you work. You got an 85%. Okay, so that's the difference is praising them on their work ethic and how they work through the problem. So the first group, the kids that were the fixed mindset group they found that 40% of those kids went and lied on their scores. So they, they essentially cheated because they believe that they're smart and they want to be smarter than the other kids. So the second group, 90% of those kids asked for a harder task. They asked for a follow-up challenging task. So mm-hmm. that is the difference, is praising your kid on their work ethic and how they work through a problem or they work through a situation. So let's say your kid's in basketball and he picks up two fouls and you're the dad watching the game and maybe he picks up two fouls and, and gets through, makes it through the game, doesn't foul out. Your praise might be something like, Hey, I liked how you, when you got two fouls, you adjusted how you played. Mm-hmm. That, that might be something to praise your kid on instead of saying, Hey, you're so talented, man, you got two fouls and you kept playing.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I I hear what you're saying, and I've heard this before, which is you know don't call your kids smart, don't call them fast, don't don't call them that. Just when they do a good job, explain exactly what they did well. Which is, hey, you ran that race very well, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not that they're they're fast, right? It's because as soon as they get beat by somebody else, they're gonna be like, I'm not fast, fast. I'm not fast. Like, and it's they're gonna get the spiral down, right? So it's it's more about in the moment, what did you do well exactly? Because um, it's almost like a cop-out for parents, and, and I'll, I'll admit to this. It's, it's easy to just end it at you're smart, as opposed mm-hmm. to, no, you actually solved that problem very well, right? Like, it, it's not, you're not always going to solve all the problems very well. It's just this one, you did it very well, right? And so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit more explanation, I think, Jared. Is that, is that what you're saying?
1: Absolutely. You're being more specific with what feedback you're giving them.
2: Yeah, I think Jared when I was looking up this 1996 Masters meltdown, Norman, uh he owned it up like right away. Like he went into the press uh, the press conference and just said, "Hey, I wasn't my best today." You know, he like didn't sit around and make excuses. He owned he owned it the big time and said, "This is this is like I'm I don't want to be a sore loser, but, you know, I, this is this is just me. I I gave in to my fears of losing the lead and I wasn't my best." So he owned it. And that's kind of what you're saying is growth mindset. He's, you know, he's looking how to better himself the next time around, how to
1: get through it, how to get how through to get next through time. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because so when we go back to that roadmap of failure, when you fail and you've been taught your whole life that how do you work through a problem? Well you work harder or you find a new solution or whatever your parents teach you. So then you fail, then what do you do? You get back on the court. We see it with some of the top basketball players. You know, I know Kobe used to do it. I know, Um, Damian Lillard's done it. You know, you go out and you see these guys in the gym after a game, continuing to take shots after they've lost like a playoff game.
0: I'm sure Bruce Bowen did it.
1: Bruce Bowen's done it. Well, he does talk about how Bruce was saying how meticulous he was in his preparation. Like he, he didn't take any, any slack in preparing for an opponent. So it just comes back to, are you thinking that your talent is going to get you through and your ability will get you through? Or do you lean on a work ethic and a process?
0: That's a great point. And, and how do we instill that in our kids? And, you know, the constant praise that we went through, I don't know if that really instilled a good work ethic in us, right? Like we thought we could just get by on, you know, our, our talent alone or the fact that we were smart. I mean, I, I remember that very well. So my, my parents told me, um, no fault alone, just they were, that's what they thought they needed to do was that, that I was smart. But then as soon as I got around to other smart people, you're like, man, I'm not the smartest person in the room. You're You're, <laughs> you're, you're kind of... it, it, it it makes you take a step back and evaluate. And then if you don't have the tools to push through that, you're going to, I can see myself spiraling, but luckily my parents, you know, did other things right, which is, you know, give me some confidence in, in in the fact that I could work through issues. And I, I think that's what this whole growth mindset is all about is, is, um, you don't have to have, everything dialed in right now. You don't have to know all the answers. Um, you just have to be a, um, you know, lifelong learner and, and take every situation as a chance to figure out what I can do next time. this is exactly what Bruce Bowen said when he was, you know, um, missing a, a three foot putt, right? He's like, Hey, um, I missed three foot putt. Most people get pissed off at this because I didn't make the putt, but he's like, no, Next time I'm going to have a chance, I'm going to focus on the next time I get that chance, I'm going to make that putt. And I think that's the growth mindset that that we all have to have and try to teach our kids.
2: Yeah. That was a great interview. I also, just as a side note, I was glad to hear that a three-time NBA champ gets kind of nervous on a first tee box and on the golf course,
0: (laughs) right? He's humbled by the
2: game of golf too. You know, you you like to hear those stories. It makes us feel more human, I guess.
1: I felt like I was an NBA veteran because he was comparing it to golf. I felt yeah. like it, it. That was me. I, I like I guarded Kobe at some point. Right. Yeah. Now, Trevor, uh, was, do you think you were raised with more of a fixed mindset?
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, any chance I, if I did something well, you know, it was like, oh, you, you're, you're so good at that, right? You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. okay. And then when I got to high school and I started comparing myself, I could, I could only. Jump three inches above the ground. And, you know, <laughs> I was slower than everybody else. And I realized, okay, maybe I'm not so great at this. So it, and then, you know, as a 16, 17 year old, you're trying to deal with all those emotions of, okay, I'm not great anymore. What do I do now? And so mm-hmm. here I am, you know, 40 years old, and I'm still worried about putts and losing <laughs> leads, you know? So I would right. say I'm a fixed mindset guy.
1: Yeah. And Brian, I don't know it, what you're doing with your boys. And, and Trevor, your girl's a little older what you ask, like, what do I praise my daughter on? I catch myself all the time telling her, Hey, you're smart. You know, she did mm-hmm. something. I'm like, Oh, you're so smart. And then I had to catch myself and try to follow up with, Hey, I really like how you did this. Like we were doing a, a puzzle and, it, and she figured it out. And my yeah. phrase was, I really like how, when you got frustrated, this is what you did. Cause we try to teach her mm-hmm. different, you know, terms and emotions at, at she's two and a half. I can't keep saying two, but she's two and a half. So when she's upset you know we'll try to talk to her and say hey when you got upset i really like how you did this or when you got frustrated i really like how you did this instead of just saying oh you're so smart you you said that that's funny
2: yeah i i had uh, the in-laws over today and um grandparents fix mindset right everything their right. grandkids do right oh, it's like, exactly oh, you're trevor the, you're the exactly. best at this like you know my daughter's talented at art i'm biased dad but she she would draw in this painting and and, you know, grandma was like saying, oh, she's the best, she's the best at this, you know, isn't mm-hmm. she great, you know, like, and uh, that's just, I mean, I, I, granted, I'm gonna do that probably when I have grandkids, cause that's, you know. Cause they're the best. Cause they're the best, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's kind of where we try to fight, right, Jared? You try to kind of bring it back to a growth mindset and kind of re- reset all that fixed mindset that your, your kids always get, so it's yeah. constant.
0: Yeah, Jared, I'm with you. I, I try to explain a little bit more about what is so good about what they're doing, as opposed to just falling back on those adjectives that are easy to just move on from. Right? It's just explaining. Yeah, yeah. You you drew that. You stayed within the lines on that. I love the the color choices that you had. Like, just go into a little more detail, and then it doesn't get to the fact that they're the best or they have to be the best. They have to be the smartest. They're just always going to be trying to be. Um, better at, at whatever they're doing. Right. And I think that's, that's, that's the growth mindset that you're talking about. So we've definitely tried to do that with, with our boys and it's hard though. Like I, I want to just end the conversation and be like, great job, buddy. <laughs> and then Move on with my day. So it takes a little effort from the parents. Like it's not, it's not easy thing to, to keep going on, but um, hopefully it'll, it'll, it'll get them to the point, you know, it'll pay off in, in, in later in life for them.
1: So taking this, you know, even as adults, what you're saying, you take a challenge or something hard. And if we're doing it in our jobs, you're taking this something that's, I don't want to beat my my colleagues. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want, because that leads to lying or cheating or doing something that, because I want to be number one. Uh, instead, you want to see a challenge as something you want to work through. So you're setting those conditions of, I want to work through this because it's hard and not that I need to be the best and be on top. So that's something, it stretches through your kids all the way through their high school years, into their college years and their adult years. And Trevor, you're right, it's the fixed mindset. I mean, if I ask you guys, did you guys ever lie on your SAT scores when people asked you? I only took ACT,
2: so I can answer that. No, I never lied on SAT scores. Well, no one
1: knows ACT scores. I I don't know what to compare it to. Brian, did you ever lie on your SATs? Like, just, you know, someone asked you, what'd you score? Did you ever lie?
0: Bumped it up one point or two, probably. Yeah. Oh, Oh,
1: I bumped it up (laughs) a hundred.
0: I I don't, I can't remember if I lied, but at the same time, after a while, I forgot. Um, So yeah, I probably ended up lying on my SATs. Because you just want to be, you want to be in the range of like, you know, the people you're, you're around, <laughs> that's yeah, about right? It, right? Yeah. yeah,
1: right. I mean, I definitely did. Cause SATs were like everything when we were going, coming into high, going out of high school into college. I mean, SATs were everything. So of course I lied. I was like, yeah, i got a hundred points higher than I really got. I think I still do this day, Brian. I Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I just made it up. <laughs> but they adjusted it so now it's different so it doesn't matter.
0: Say hey, big, want. The biggest thing I was proud of was that I was so high in math that it, it overcame my verbal deficiencies. So, yeah. I don't know. Like that's that's what I was proud of. <laughs>
1: you just take the ACTs like Trevor and no one knows. No one. Cares. Yeah, no one knows. <laughs> <laughs> so this week was Bruce Bowen and you know, I just want to say we're going to go into the fixed and growth mindset a lot. It it ties into so much of sports and kids' sports and going into jobs and business world but this week we have bruce bowen next week first lpga guest brian do you want to introduce who's coming next week
0: oh we got we got two of my favorite people um i, I mean most favorite i don't know I, I, would, I would say top 20 people um on this planet uh, kim welch and brett ball. so they are Engaged to be married, not married yet, um, but there are a couple. But Kim Welch uh, was former LP- LPGA. Uh, she's been on the Symmetra Tour, trying to get back on the LPGA and a couple events, but she won the big break in 2008. Um, so a very accomplished golfer, went to uh, school and um, uni- at, at college at uh, Washington State University, um, was in their Athletic Hall of Fame. Um, so she's a very accomplished golfer. I've played with her a couple times. And let me tell you guys, it is a humbling experience uh, to play with uh, someone like that. Um, and I would say someone like that is, is, is as a guy uh, to play with a, a woman that can outdrive you by probably 70 yards. Um, it's, it, it puts everything into perspective. <laughs> so when Bruce Bowen was talking about, we should watch the LPGA, um, to, you know, get our game in check. I think that's what he was talking about is is that these, this caliber of golfer can literally, um, outplay us any day of the week. And, um, you know, we're focused on Bryson DuChambeau, which is, maybe the wrong thing. So I think, um, this is going to be a fun interview. Uh, we also have Brett who, um, is a funny guy, just naturally charismatic, a good golfer himself, but not quite uh, to her level. Um, but he's, uh, you know, been on TV shows and he's been in movies and been around a lot of celebrities, He's actually played in some celebrity golf tournaments. And, um, since they've been dating, uh, had a chance to be Uh, her caddy. So that's going to be an interesting relationship to explore. You know, if, if if you're Trevor, how would you feel if, if, um, your wife, uh, was playing golf and you had a caddy for her, how would that go down?
2: Oh, there's so many, uh, impossibilities there. I mean, first of all, my wife playing golf, it's not going to happen Two is, uh, me carrying her bag and still being married at the end of it. That's not going to happen. So, you know, (laughs) that'd be tough, but no, no, I'm just kidding. I love you, babe. But uh, yeah, no, that's gotta be a tough relationship. <laughs> I'm interested to explore that one for sure.
1: Yeah. That's going to be fun. We got Kim Welch coming on. I wonder if Kim could beat the three of us. If we even like, we've done the challenge of the three guys scramble versus the one guest. Do you think Kim could beat all three of us?
0: My answer is yes.
1: Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent.
2: Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I would say we would lose uh, in a landslide for sure.
1: Yep. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, That's it for our show this week. Time to put the kids to bed and get out on the course. you just listened for free. Now here's the deal. Go to our website at birdydads.com and join us. You will get our Golf Starters Guide and our Golf Coloring Book for Kids free right now by signing up. It just takes an email. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next time.